0: TL Talk Radio, Season 5, Episode 1. Welcome to season five, episode one of TL Talk Radio, a regular podcast with Lynn Funy-Hetton and Randy Ziganfoos, where our goal is to engage you in learning, motivate you to share your work, and inspire you to lead for the change we need in schools for the digital age. I'm Randy Ziganfoos,
1: and I'm Lynn Funy-Hetton. Welcome back, Randy. Season five. Wow,
0: can you believe we've been doing this for five years now? We have- so.
1: We have learned so much and talked to so many interesting people.
0: Absolutely. And we have some interesting folks with us today. Tell us who they are.
1: Yes. So today we're speaking with Lori Jackson and Steve Peck, uh, both co-founders of the Connections model, developed an app called KidConnect app to enable students to easily and independently understand how their emotions drive their behavior. Uh, KidConnect teaches students strategies to change their behaviors, allowing them to remain in their classrooms. The Connections model is a new, non-traditional approach to assisting students with behavioral difficulties, and the tool from the Connections model, Kid Connect, directly teaches students how to manage their behavior. Kid Connect is used by K-12 students with disabilities ranging from autism spectrum uh, to nonverbal learning disabilities and even attention deficit disorder and emotional behavioral disabilities. Um, but all students, all learners, can and do benefit. So is a psychologist, and Steve is a special educator, and we welcome this team this morning.
0: So welcome, Lori and Steve, to our first episode of Season 5 of the TL Talk Radio Podcast.
1: Hi. Hi, thanks for having us.
0: Great to have you here. So to kick off our conversation today, tell us a personal story that's made you connect with this work around student emotion and student behavior. How about Steve? Let's kick off with you.
2: Sure. Um, So, you know, like you said, I'm a special education teacher i um, been teaching for going on 20 years, and, um, you know, I work with kids with severe disabilities, and um, I don't know, probably about uh, 12 or 13 years ago, I was working with a student with cerebral palsy, and uh, really started using a lot of technology with him. He was a nonverbal student, um, and... Um, you know he was really struggling to communicate and you know everyone along the way had kind of always said to me like oh you know what just expose him to the technology expose him he'll pick it up he'll pick it up and you know it, it wasn't working and um, that was kind of my moment where I said you know what we, we've got to go back to the roots we've got to start from ground zero and um, and really um, teach him um, by building the communication system with him how to, how to speak and then how to communicate using it um, and then that kind of brought me into um, meeting Lori and my new situation when that student moved on to high school. And um, Lori and I kind of felt, um, you know, what? Let's treat it like I did with that with that other particular student and use technology uh, because we had a lot of students who were struggling to identify their emotions. And um, through technology, you know, Lori brought the science and I brought the creative piece, and um, you know, we were able to use of technology to make our Kid Connect app, um, which, you know, teaches students to identify and understand their emotions and some behaviors that are related to the emotions and then, you know, strategies that come away from that.
0: So I love that idea of connecting to your practice, that, you know, there was a void, there was something that you wanted to fill, and you took your passion about that and your connection uh, with Lori and uh, created this this app. So, Lori, what's your story?
3: So my story, I guess, is... Similar in the sense that, um, you know, maybe 10, 12 years ago, my entire uh, work life changed in the sense that I had been, um, you know, working with kids when you're a psychologist in a school, you do a lot of groups, you work with kids around friendship issues, you work around educational issues, but um, our demographics in schools were changing, the school that I was in was just such a different place because we had so many kids who were displaying just an unbelievable amount of behaviors. And the behavior issues were really taking over um, the classrooms, the teaching team times, we would just talk about the same, you know, 10, 12, 15 kids. And so, you know, my aha moment with all of this was, well, let's just take a step back and look at what we're looking at with all of these kids. So lots of different disabilities with them, some without disabilities at all. Um the critical piece with all of them when you took a step back was these are kids who are incredibly emotionally reactive and what are we looking at and what are we seeing and how can these kids look so similar when they have such different disabilities and they're, they come from such different backgrounds and everything else. So we looked at this and said, you know what, we, these kids are missing foundational skills and we need to start from the bottom um and start really from what they maybe didn't pick up in kindergarten what we teach in early elementary school that most kids just grab grab onto and we have this giant group of kids that didn't so my work really shifted at that point i'm really happy that it did because it's a really exciting place to really work with kids who need your support and help more than maybe others um And so really the bottom line came down to, okay, emotions drive behavior. That's what we say all the time, every day. Um, And now what do we do? And so Steve sort of fast forwarded you. And what we did was, well, we need to come up with tools because when we looked around and tried to figure out what are we going to do and how are we going to support these kids, we really didn't find the tools, the programs, the process um, that we thought would really make a difference. And so we just made our own. And that was
1: many years ago, yeah. <laughs> and
3: we keep working at it.
1: <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about the research or the science behind the connections model. Um, Lori, you're a psychologist. You've worked with many students, um, small, small group you shared, probably one-on-one, large group classes. You know, what, what is some of the science behind this connections model? So there's two things we have to look
3: at when we think about science. First, um, we look at what and who are the students, the the issues, what explains sort of this rise in um, behavioral challenges in schools? Because I think one of the things that we notice and we hear when we um, go out and we speak at conferences is everybody is like, yes, we know exactly the students you're talking about. We We have all of, we have these kids. We, every time we have a team meeting, this is, this is who we talk uh-huh. about. You know, we talk about these same kids. So that's the first thing. The first piece is to look at um, what's changed, what's new, what's happened that we have this rise in these emotionally dysregulated students. And so, what the research is really showing us is that yes, we have a rise in disabilities. but what are the core deficit areas of these disabilities that maybe we haven't really acknowledged before? So when we've looked at attention deficit in the past, we've seen it from an attentional standpoint or executive functioning. Well, now we're looking at it. No, you know what? A core deficit of ADHD is really emotional dysregulation. Similarly with um, autism, there are a lot of different areas that you can look at and focus on with autism. But again, what research has, has shown is that you know, emotional regulation, dysregulation is really at the heart of this. So that's a big piece that has come to the forefront since we've been working. We really went with sort of like this gut feel for, okay, this is emotions driving all of this behavior. But now research is really bearing out that, you know, at the core of a lot of disabilities is emotional dysregulation. The other piece that's really come into the research a lot with kids is um, the impact of trauma and how that impacts behaviors in schools. And, you know, an astounding um, statistic that I've seen recently is uh, that um, by age 16, 50% of kids will have experienced a traumatic event um, that will sort of impact them and their abilities. That's an enormous number when you think about how that will play out in schools. Mm -hmm. Another enormous number is the rise of mental health issues in schools like anxiety and depression. Again, at its core, emotional regulation or dysregulation. And again, that's up to 50% of kids by 16 could be identified with some sort of mental health issue. Again, you think about it and you're like, oh my gosh, how are schools going to keep up with this type of explosion of kids with dysregulation? So when you look at research, that's one piece that we really have to really understand because it helps us really understand the growth and the explosion of kids with behavioral issues and how schools are really struggling. So then the other piece, which is just exciting stuff, is what um, you know different research researchers are, are looking at in terms of why are we seeing this dysregulation so what is it about the brain and what are these faulty areas that are impacting kids ability to regulate and so what we know is that and what we know from the functional MRI studies and all of that 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 a lot of these disabilities at their core um, have faulty areas of, of faulty sort of regulation systems that's a, a good way to put it I guess And so because emotions are sort of regulated in the the limbic area, and if you have a faulty system in that area, what you're going to get is an inability to regulate emotions. Um, So long, long explanation. Um, The good thing is that when you get all of this great information, you're going to be able to target and, and better target your approaches. And so that's what we've done. So what research has shown is that, so using a CBT approach, a cognitive behavioral approach combined with working in the moment, meaning the brain is working and learning in a time and in the place that you want it to learn and then express all that information. So there's lots of great research that's really validating a lot of the work that we've done, you know, pre all of this research. And it's an exciting time to be doing it because we learn new things every day and we get to grab all that information and then really apply it to our work.
1: Mm -hmm. I can certainly make a lot of connections to what you're sharing, Lori, the um, increase in percentage of students who are identified special education. Uh, We have an increase in OHI identifications. Uh, We have students who have um, experienced much more trauma I've been in the district for 22 years so through this sort of transition of many years um, what our students are facing today is is very different from what they faced 22 years ago um, exactly. mental health crisis that we see in in some of our learners so um, it is it is really easy to connect the science and the research to the practice here even in our district Yeah, yep. exactly exactly
0: so one thing you mentioned, uh, sort of quoting you, is you said a rise, There's been a rise in behavior challenge. So how do we how do we address that? Um, what are some of the ways that we can most effectively teach learners to regulate their emotions?
2: The first way is definitely to educate and train the teachers. Um, you know, Lori and I have kind of kind of come up with an idea that um, we've reimagined professional development um, to more of an on-demand. Style, kind of like the Netflix of um, <laughs> professional development, you know, like um, kind of pull up Lori and Steve whenever you need um, training on how to use the program, um, training how to teach the lessons from, you know, the social emotional learning curriculum, um, how to use the app, um, some more deep dives um, of things, um, kind of like uh, emotional regulation in the brain, emotional regulation in learners, emotional regulation with students with, with disabilities. Um, you know, a lot of school systems like to send teachers to trainings. Um, we would rather be the on-demand trainers that you, teachers can pull up whenever they're ready. Um, another thing that we like to do is really um, reinforce that idea that emotions drive behaviors. Um, you know, I, I, as a teacher myself, you know, am constantly um, stopping in the middle of a lesson or at the end of a lesson and, and kind of reflecting my own emotions Um and talking about it with my students, you know, and I'll say like, you know, like right now I'm kind of frustrated. I could handle it a number of different ways. Right. I could um, reflect it on you guys, or I could, you know, walk away for two minutes. I could go get a drink and come back and maybe my frustration level is, is less with, with you guys. Um, but I like to talk about those emotions that i'm experiencing with the students because then they really see like oh i'm not the only one Mm -hmm. you know and and really reinforcing that whole idea that that all emotions are driving behaviors whether they're students teachers adults parents whatever it might be Um, another way is uh, we developed what's called the classroom emotional planner and you know all teachers have schedules in their classrooms and um, what we're asking teachers to do is they're using this classroom emotional planner, putting their schedule on there. Okay. Um, And then reflecting whether it be during the class, before the class, after the class, um, what are some of the emotions that we could possibly be experiencing in each one of these classes or activities? Okay. And then what are some of the behaviors that might come from the emotions that kids are experiencing during these classes? Okay. So, you know, what, maybe it's math class. All right and teachers teaching and you know there's there's different emotions that are noticed. So you know we've got a couple of kids that are bored. We've got a couple of kids that are tired. We've got some excitement. Okay, um, we've got some confident students. You know all different kinds of emotions. Um, well, let's list those emotions. Let's show everyone in the class. Okay, you know what? All of these different emotions are being experienced and that's okay. Okay, and now let's really look at what are the behaviors that are being driven by these emotions. All right. So what am I seeing? Well, I'm seeing kids with their heads in their desks. I'm seeing kids looking around the room. Okay, I'm seeing kids overachieving by by trying to answer every question, um, you know, because they're very confident. So lots of different behaviors. And then finally, let's label those behaviors with some strategies, okay, that they could use instead of showing those behaviors. All right. So maybe you know, kids are feeling, um, you know, tired. Well, you know what? Get up and go get a drink, right? And come back, right? And then start again
0: so the connection i'm making is this uh (coughs) the idea of being very intentional about having conversations around what our emotions are and how those lead to the behaviors and then also us as adults modeling that to to send the message that it's okay to have these conversations it's okay to feel (coughs) this way here's how i'm feeling and i'm going to express that to you uh and the other connection i'm making too is we we talk a lot here about learner-centered and really getting to know our students and this is definitely one aspect uh, we need to uh, focus on to get to know our students from their from the, the emotional perspective. We're not just pushing content and having them develop skills and competencies that are more academic, but how do we get them uh, to express um, verbally what are those emotions and, and how is that impacting their learning and is there something that we could be doing to create a better learning environment and how do we get to know them better? So those are some connections I make. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah,
3: you know the other piece to add to that is one of the things that I think um, we we really press is connecting emotions to events. So not just asking kids sort of out of context, how do you feel, but how does a specific event or something, how does that impacting? your emotions and then in turn your behavior so sometimes it's easier for kids to connect those pieces than it is just to say how are you feeling right now and not give it context because most of us don't really know so if you don't give the kid some contextual reason for expressing an emotion it's sort of out of the blue for them it makes them a little bit more uncomfortable so that's one of the big reasons that you know like steve was saying on the emotional planner we really purposefully are <laughs> connecting that to um an event connecting to an emotion, and then which is driving a behavior. So it's purposeful in that connection.
1: So can you give us an example of um, a purposeful connection to either the emotion and how you use the app, or um, you know, a scenario maybe where students have had success um, practicing what you're sharing with us today for behavior and emotional regulation?
2: Uh, <laughs> let me give you let me give you an example here. Um, so there's a scenario, right? Um, you've got Joe, okay? He's sitting in class, and um, you know the classroom is doing a, a read around, okay? Some bump reading, and they finish, and the teacher says, "Okay, you know what? I want everybody to write a summary of of the chapter that we just read as a group." Okay, so we hand out the paper, pull out a pencil, okay, and you know everyone starts writing, and well, you know Joe's kind of looking around the room, he hasn't started writing, right? And uh, well doesn't really know what to write so instead of writing Joe's gonna start asking questions to some of his friends and you know these questions are about things that he's interested in all right nothing to do with the reading so teacher comes over and says hey Joe you know time to time to get to work you know I I gave you an assignment I'd like you to write a summary of this chapter that we um, that we just read so you know Joe puts his pencil on his paper and you know starts to write but nothing's coming out right so teacher walks away now Joe starts to sing out loud right Mm -hmm. okay you know he just cannot get started all right um teacher comes back you know hey joe you know stop the singing you're distracting everybody right well you know eventually joe just eventually just crumbles up the paper throws the pencil you know and now puts his head down on his desk all right so now would be a perfect time for the teacher to you know what let's fire up the app i'm gonna put the app right in front of of joe right it's on an ipad all right Joe can choose to do it right there at his desk. He can take the app and go sit somewhere else in the classroom, maybe sit in the hallway, wherever he wants, wherever Joe feels comfortable. And the the app is designed to now walk Joe through what just happened. Okay, so the app is gonna basically a series of nine screens. Okay, that should take no more than three minutes for Joe to complete. All right, and it's simple questions: um, where were where were you? Um, what did the teacher observe? Okay. Um, why did the teacher observe this, and then asks Joe, you know, what emotion is it that you think could possibly have been driving this behavior, right? And now the teacher will have created all of this within the app, okay? So the teacher will say, you know what, I'm going to give Joe the the choices of frustration or anxiety or boredom, okay? And then Joe's going to choose that emotion. And then what the app is designed to do is then take that emotion and allow Joe to um, choose a strategy so that the next time he's feeling, whether it be frustrated or anxious or bored or tired, um, he's going to use that strategy to replace that emotion. Okay, and then come back to the situation of you know let's see if I can sit down and write. Okay, so it's it's you know the, the app then puts it into a nice little social story which can then be emailed out to other teachers you know so that they can see okay this is what happened with Joe during this class and you know what I might start to see Joe being frustrated or anxious depending on what he chose. And so, you know, I'll be able to prompt that strategy early on for Joe before he learns it independently. Um, you know, the app is really designed to keep kids in class um, and bring them back to uh, being ready to learn as soon as possible. Um, you know, it's it's designed to take away that. Let's remove Joe from the classroom, bring him down to you know a uh, psychologist or guidance counselor to process it out for two or three hours, where you know kind of Joe's put on the spot with another adult and, you know, asked to kind of, you know, spill his guts. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it's, it's it's done independently and it's done quickly and again, designed to keep the kid back in the classroom. Mm
1: -hmm. So it sort of gives him the opportunity to collect himself, um, reflect on what happened before, during, and um, now after sort of the, the behavioral, incident that he had in terms exactly. of not completing. The and what we
2: found is that kids are kids are more willing to do this independently um by not being put on the spot with someone sitting right in front of them and you you tend to get a truer response mm-hmm. from them about what was really going on
3: mm-hmm. and the other piece of it is is where it goes back to the science piece so the process of the app is based in cognitive behavioral theory so it's repairing in essence you're repairing the the event The emotion, the behavior, and then providing a replacement strategy or replacement behavior, which then is the science behind it, because that's the neural pathways that are being sort of reconnected. That's the Mm -hmm. neuroplasticity piece, um, where, um, you know, we are, um, you know, they're repairing what the faulty uh, behavior was with a new behavior. And over time, um, that's where the change happens and that's where behavior changes. And the great thing is, is that they're doing it themselves. Mm-hmm. Thanks for sharing that scenario.
0: So before we invite you to share sort of what's next and what you're working on next, we have a, a set of quick response questions. Now you can sort of tag team uh, by rotating through the questions, or uh, if each of one of you wants to give an answer, that's perfectly fine. So our first question is, if our listeners want to find uh, one expert on this area of emotional regulation behavior management, who would you suggest they connect with?
3: Um, there is a psychologist at Yale Center for Emotion named Mark Brackett. Um, he is definitely somebody who connects a lot with what our work is. Um, you know, they're, they do amazing work there, and he's definitely one to seek out.
0: All right. So we'll see if we can find Mark, and uh, we'll put some of his information uh, in the show yes. notes for this episode. Yeah. Uh, second question, how about a book? What one book would you recommend on the topic of emotional regulation behavior management for our listeners if they're interested in this.
3: All right, so I'm going to take this one too. So there's a book by Lisa Feldman Barrett. She is um, a professor at Northeastern, my alma mater, um, and it's called How Emotions Are Made, The Secret Life of the Brain. And it is a fantastic book because she sort of reimagines the idea of where um, emotions come from. And so it's... um, really very uh, dovetails in with our work because she talks about the fact that, um, that we create our own emotions. And so it's a very empowering view on emotions. So you should definitely read it. It's
0: All right. And we'll include that as well. And the last quick round question, how do you uh, update your learning in this area? Who do you connect with either online or in person?
2: I mean, I love Flipboard um, as well as uh, Google Keyword Alerts. Um, it's kind of a, you know, the easiest way to get info from educators and researchers and studies and things in the news and you know, kind of a best way to pull it all together into what we're doing.
0: All right, so some quick resources for our listeners around this topic.
1: Thanks so much. So as we wrap up our conversation today, what's next for you, um, Lori and Steve? What are you working on that you'd like to share? Well, the exciting thing for us is we're just
3: finalizing our, um, social emotional learning curriculum. Um, what we thought was missing in the market was a curriculum that really was able to impact every learner in the classroom. So not just kids who were, you know, going to pick up the work, but all kids, even kids with um, special needs. And so, um, we took the, the idea of emotions drive behavior and we made some um, about what, 24 or 25 really easy lessons that directly teach the idea of identifying, understanding, managing emotions. And um, then we integrated the app and the use of the app, which is kind of like our differentiator for kids who need a little bit more. So it's unique in that way because most social emotional programs don't really have a differentiation piece for kids who have special needs. And we thought that was really missing in the market because the kids that you really want to reach are the ones who really need and sometimes have that special need, the special support. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, the program really ranges for everybody. And the other key piece, um, Steve mentioned before is, um, professional learning for teachers and really, um, allowing teachers to access us when they need support and feeling like, you know, we have information to share, and they can do it when they need it. Um, they can rewatch things and videos and, and really feel like they um, have resources sort of on the fly. So mm-hmm. you are saying the Netflix, we're the Netflix of emotional learning support. I love it. Um, and so um, that's what's coming up for us, and um,
1: yeah. we're super excited about it. Excellent. Thank you so much for sharing with us. Um, and thank you for joining us, Laurie and Steve. For our listeners, if you'd like to learn more about Laurie and Steve's work in the show notes, you'll see um, some connections there, our YouTube with them, uh, the book that Laurie referenced, and even their website.
0: Thanks for being here today, uh, Laurie and Steve. Thanks,
1: Thanks for having
3: us.
0: us. Each episode, we leave you with a question to think about with the idea of provoking some reflection and conversation. This episode's question... What are your next steps for helping your students to improve their emotional regulation and behavior management? If you've enjoyed this episode, would like to comment or check out the resources shared today, visit the show notes at tltalkradio.org and look for Season 5, Episode 1. And that's all for this episode, the start of Season 5. We'll be back soon with another conversation featuring other innovative thought leaders. That's all for now. Thanks again, Lori and Steve.
1: Thanks. Bye-bye.